Hi, my name is Michael Ladson. My preferred gender pronouns are he, him, his, and they, them, theirs. Welcome to another addition to Mosaic Station. Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra are beloved series to many. For example, it's epic story, rich, colorful cast of characters, and beautiful animation. For me personally, it's made an impact on my life. It's one of the few series where I'm able to see myself in many characters and take away important life lessons. One thing I feel like is often overlooked is the social justice elements found in the series. I will be interviewing several different folks and we will be hearing their connection and stories with the Avatar series. Uh, hello all, uh, this is Michael. Uh, you all know I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> so I'm here with a very special guest. Hi everyone, my name is Arjun Mather. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm a finance major here at San Jose State. All right, so um, Arjun, what are some of your favorite episodes and moments and why in Avatar The Last Airbender or Legend of Korra? I'm definitely going to spend most of the time talking about Avatar The Last Airbender because it has a yeah, special yeah. place in my heart, you know? Um, so I grew up kind of watching Avatar from like my elementary school days, really. It was, for me, the top three TV shows I remember watching were, you know, Tom and Jerry, Spongebob, and then Avatar Last Airbender. Good so choices, it's, it's grown with me, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, favorite moments and episodes were definitely going to have to be episodes about, about games. I think from an animation perspective, the way that the episode makers made those uh, episodes, it was really cool and visually aesthetic to watch. So one of the first episodes that I remember, one of the oldest ones, um, was when Aang, Katara, and uh, Sokka went up to the, what is it, the Air the air Tribe, I believe? Uh, they went into the Air Temple, and then Aang showed Katara that old, that game that he used to play. I think it's, it looks a lot like, um, I guess, the Airbender equivalent of, Qu- of Quidditch, I suppose. You know, it was like the soccer thing. And it was really cool to see that. It was, it was hard to follow at first, but it was just an interesting take on, on the animation. And the same thing with the bending games as well, right? When we're introduced to, to Toph as a character, at first we see her as you know this like, kind of like fragile character, but we know that, that she's hiding something. And then we see her go so tough, and we see the sonar, um, I guess, visualizations that she imagines in her mind. And we see how she uses that to bend. And that was so cool to see. That was definitely one of my favorite moments as well. None with like the boulder or like the <laughs> one where like they go to like um, when uh, Sokka and Katara are you know kind of stuck in that crystal by King Boomy, and then like King Boomy tests like Aang with these like series of games. Right. Yeah. yeah, I remember the crystal too. That was a really interesting thing too. Yeah. King Boomy was such an odd character, yeah. but it was cool that he kept kind of recurring across the across the series. I like that. Well. <laughs> uh, if you had to pick a bending, which one would you like to have and why? That's a tough one. Oh. That's because they're all so appealing yeah. in their own different ways. Part of me, so I drink a lot of tea, right? So part of me would want to be a water bender just so I can, you know, easily pour out tea. Um, there would be no worry about like, oh, I might spill it, right? It, it could be an accuracy thing. But the other part of me would also want to be a firebender because, you know, I wouldn't have to pay for like gas to, <laughs> for the stove, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would definitely say though, if I had to pick one type of bending, I would pick Earth. Nice. I like being grounded just as a person, and I think that it's a very that Earth, Earth benders across the series, both Avatar and Korra, um, always had very grounded personalities as well. Uh, part of that could be a pun, but it is also very representative of how they are as characters. Right? They see, they see what's in front of them, and they process that. They deal with it, um, as opposed to Aang, right, the Airbender who sometimes sees things and wants to avoid it, and he'll literally just fly away. We saw that a few times throughout the season, um, throughout the series, actually. 
like, uh, what was it, when he was first learning kind of to harness his avatar state, right? Yeah. He had the vision of, of Katara being hurt. And rather than understand what it meant and, and learn about how to face things head on, like an earthbender would, he flew and he dealt, um, you know, he went there. Uh-huh. Of course, that has, that has its own implications for the series, and they had to keep the story going in, in certain ways. But that's, that's really what I like about Earthbenders, is they're, they're set um, and they're willing to deal with things face on. I think it's an admirable thing. I also liked um, how, like, when, you know, Toph first discovers metal bending, that, like, you know, Earth is all around us, right? It's, you right. know, made up of, like, little things. Yeah, it's it's present in so many things. The metal bending was a really cool thing. It was so innovative. I didn't I didn't think that you could invent types of bending that way. But Toph was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do it. And it was so cool to see that happen. Yeah, I really like that part. So would you um would you pick either as an earthbender, would you have your sub bending either be metal bending or lava bending? Metal bending. Metal bending for sure, because um I mean in our lives, right, we have a lot of cars around, right? If someone dents a car, if you're a metal bender, you can just kind of, like, pop the dent back, right? Save you money on a mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> in a practical sense, so if you were, like, a, a bender in this world, would you still be an earthbender? Even though, you know, you're kind of a, if I share, like, you're a commuter student, so you wouldn't want to pick, like, air and, you know, fly to school, get over traffic? That's, oh, that's, you know, that's a very interesting question. Actually, if if I were, yeah, if I, if I could bend... I don't know. I, I see the appeal of wanting to be a, an airbender, but I also see that Appa, you know, air bison are gigantic yeah, beings, right? So the, the space and money that you would save from parking at San Jose State, you might lose it. <laughs> I would even find a place to kind of hit your bison <laughs> in a way. Um, but airbenders in the Bay would definitely be very helpful, right? Thinking about kind of the weather that we've had the last few months, right? With the campfire and the uh, Mendocino complex fire, right? Ooh, Airbenders yeah. would definitely be able to maybe not put out the fires, but they could have at least helped kind of steer the smog out of the, out of the bay, right? A lot of people, myself included, really struggled to breathe during those few days, few weeks. Remind me of the episode um, of Avatar Roku, you know, the flashback with mm-hmm. him and Avatar Sozin, and more specifically when there was that giant volcano Right. And then they were, like, bending out. Well, he was bending out. Yeah, so they were both basically bending out, like, the small or, like, the smoke and, like, clearing the air. Mm-hmm. Exactly yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. It was it was unfortunate that Sozin betrayed him that way. But it was so telling that those two were the only two who could have saved those people, right? Right. And by Sozin, Sozin had that same ability to do so. But when he stopped, it, that was eventually what killed, um, spoiler, but that was what killed Avatar Roku too, right? <laughs> so it's it's a very powerful ability that may not be used very often, right? We don't have a lot of volcano, volcanoes here in California, but it's it's very valuable to the people who need it. Yeah. Is there, um, what are some of your favorite characters in, like, no particular order? Ooh, okay. Okay, this is one I thought a lot about, actually. I, I thought about it a lot over when I was watching this series, too, but I've been thinking about it a lot, kind of off-late in general. So Sokka... For sure, my top favorite okay. character. Sokka is a great person. Um, you know, kind of what I like about Sokka is like what he lacks, kind of in his ability to bend. He makes up for it in his spirit and his soul, the way he shows out in the team, right? Um, you know, sometimes that shows up as puns, but he's he's moral support for for his teammates. I mean, for his sister, right? Um, he's moral support, but he's also just he's there. He's present, which is a huge thing. Um, second favorite character would be Uncle Iroh. 
Iroh is a great character. Um, and I think the the growth that he that he demonstrated over the course of Avatar Last Airbender was amazing. You know, he went from losing his own son yeah. during a war to to raising Zuko and he finished that series as as a fully developed character and I remember finishing the series, watching that last episode and knowing, you know, Iroh's gonna be alright and he's gonna do great things. I I always thought that he would be a teacher yeah. after the war. Um, and I believe he might have been some form of a teacher, uh, teaching something I don't remember. But yeah, I I always really appreciate Iroh and his wisdom too. And of course, I like drinking a lot of tea, so seeing Iroh drinking tea, that was also, that was cool. I was able to relate to that. I love that, like, you know, at the end, like, you know, he becomes like a tea shopkeeper, and then it's just so convenient, you know, like him being a firebender, firebender and like, you know, <laughs> being able to like heat up his tea. But yeah, just like him using his, like, his son, which is very, like, heart-telling. And then also that, like... You know, the Fire Nation gets a very like bad rap like during that time, and then and he never like falls under the footsteps of the Fire Nation, right? Like he, the way he even learned firebending, he learned it, you know, from the Fire Temple or right, the from Sun the Dragons, right? Yeah, from the yeah. Dragons, and it was so cool. And then he was known for like as the Dragon of the West for slaying the last dragon, yeah. but turns out you know he didn't, you know, he didn't. Yeah, so he, you know, so he let you know Ren and Shaw, the two last dragons, like survive. So right. what a G. Yeah. And I really appreciate that too. Iroh, in my opinion, was kind of like the right and wrong. When when I thought about the Fire Nation as a whole, right, I would always think about the people who who had a just set of values, and I would always think of Iroh first. Iroh had a very strong sense of right, uh, maybe not right and wrong, but he knew he knew to preserve life, right. He knew to encourage people, which was always very admirable. Whereas Zuko, in the beginning of the of the series, right, was just very rash and hostile. He didn't understand kind of where, how he played into larger things, but also how the larger, how larger sort of schemes worked in general, right? I really appreciated that, like, Iroh's patience with Zuko, like, mm -hmm. he, he would question Zuko, but in a way for Zuko to question himself whether, like, is what you're doing, is your morals, like, right or wrong? Right. And he allowed for Zuko to keep, excuse me, like, fucking up, and Zuko, you know, <laughs> did plenty of times over the series, but, you know, by the end, he was able to get, like, his message. Most definitely, yeah. I remember there was one episode where Zuko got sick, right? Do you remember that episode at all? Yeah. yeah. Zuko couldn't figure out like why he why he felt so much turmoil in himself and how or why it was manifesting into a physical sickness. Yeah. But it was Iroh who sat down patiently. He brought him the tea and they said, there is a war going on inside of you. you. It is up to you to decide if you want to be good or bad. And that was so, like, it was so admirable to see someone do that, right? Someone with so much wisdom, but still being so encouraging but also knowing how to phrase his questions correctly in such a way that Zuko would be the one to create his own questions and follow through every path and learn what he needed to learn. Yeah. That's what I loved about Iroh. It was great. I think also I want to go, like, go back to like, Sokka, definitely one of my like top three favorite in Last <laughs> Airbender. I'd probably go, uh, no order, but it'd be go Sokka, um, Avatar Yang Chin, and then Appa. Appa. <laughs> I love Appa. Appa's such a great character. But I really uh, like Sokka as well, yeah. you know? As I was saying earlier, he you know he was the spirit of the team, but we don't really get to see we didn't really get to see how much how much he was put through in general. Yeah. Um, throughout the series, right? There was the one episode that we we spoke about earlier, where when Sokka finally got his sword and he was learning how to be a swordsman and and you know forge his own blades and everything, right? It was Aang, Katara, and Toph, the three benders, yeah. who were seeing their board. And that was when I think they and also the audience realizes that that's what Sokka goes through every time there's a 
there's like a training montage or a training sequence that all the vendors go through. So it was, it was, it definitely put things in perspective in that way, yeah. and it makes you see Sock in a new light. Because yeah. like beginning of the episode, right? So the meteor falls down, and then the place is on fire, and then everyone else is putting out the fires very easily, and then Sokka is having a little bit of trouble just because he can't put out large fires very fast as like the others. But then by the end, you know, we learn that like you know we he finds his place on his team, and he knows like his own style, and he becomes his own person. Definitely becomes his own person. Sokka, Sokka has a lot to offer. Um, kind of throughout the series, right? He, he acts as a foil to, to Aang and Toph and Katara at times as well, where, you know, he'll say, some, he'll say something stupid or something just, like, you know, innocently funny, but it'll lead to, to those characters developing a certain way. But that particular episode, everything is, is kind of flipped on his head, right? Sokka's the one who goes through all of the... He's the one who goes through the majority of the character development of that episode um, in, in a lot of different ways as well, right? We see with the meteorite after the fires are put out and after he realizes that you know he can make a sword out of meteor yeah right he wants to bring it back to the compound and he does it on his own Aang and Kantara Aang and Top excuse me at that point are both earthbenders and they could have easily helped him out moved it over for him but he wanted to do it. he wanted to you know work on the entire process from the very beginning all the way through the end to to have the sword and I believe he wrote something inspirational on the blade itself but I can't remember what it was but I thought that just the fact that he did that was so cool um, yeah, I really love that sword, and just just that episode in general it was a great story. That sword was so, one of my favorite items. I was so sad when, you know, spoilers, would like, <laughs> he has to kind of sacrifice a sword, you know, to save himself, Toph, and Suki. Yeah, that was a really sad moment, but I, I'm also struck now by, by us talking about it, at how, how sacrificial Sokka is, in a way, yeah. right? He, he loved that sword, and that sword was... That was his coming, not coming of age, but that was his breakthrough moment as, as a character, right? A lot of the stories throughout Avatar, in my opinion, seem sort of like coming of age stories, right? Aang learns about the bending, right? Zuko learns that firebending is about light, not about rage, right? It's, it's how they, it's their steps towards adulthood. And that sword was a huge part of it. It was a physical manifestation of Sokka's progress. And he was willing to literally just throw it in order to protect his family and the people he loved. And that was amazingly admirable. And also talking about growth, I want to like bring up that, you know, when he had the relationship with the water, the Northern Water Tribe princess and then having to lose her, right. you know, so dealing with like love and loss. And before that, you know, having to lose his mom at such a young age. Yeah, that's true. Zuko, is, uh, sorry, not Zuko. Um, Sokka is a very underappreciated character when we think about how much he's lost and how much he's been through. Yeah. Not to say that Aang has not been through a lot. You know, he lost his entire nation. Yeah. Um, but Sokka, in the short term, has been through so much as well, and he didn't really know how to deal with it for the longest time, but he, he learned and he tried um, a lot of times, right? I believe there was that one episode about the cactus juice, right? Oh, yeah! <laughs> one of his hallucinations, I think, was about the water princess, oh. right? He missed her. And it was so cool to see that, to, to show audiences, especially young audience, people like me who are watching it, you know, in, in their early years. Maybe people who hadn't learned or been told, kind of like, this is the process to grieving, right? But they saw, they saw Sokka lose and miss and, and go through the whole, the entire step, the entire process of grieving, right? I thought that that was really cool to see. And Sokka was definitely the right character to do that as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's the type of character to make those same mistakes. In funny ways, like, you know, getting drunk off cactus juice. Him and Momo. <laughs> Momo is great. Oh, I love Momo. 
flying lemurs are, are wonderful. I always loved that about the Avatar of the Last Airbender universe, how, like, you know, combination of animals. So, like, um, was it, like, um, was it, like, the badger moose? And then you had, like, Appa, who's, like, the, like, like, well, platypus and, like, bison. And then Momo, like you said, like, the bat and the lemur. And I love how, like, regular animals, like Bosco, the Earth King bear, was just a regular bear. And that's really weird. <laughs> Yeah, that was really interesting to see. But we also remember that, um, remember Toph was, she learned earthbending by... Those blind badger moles, yeah. Yeah, they were giant things, right? Moles generally aren't that large, too. Yeah. It was interesting to see. Maybe one of my, like, theories about the show is that they had kind of, like, cross animals, like, like, Appa, like, like those giant badger moles, right? The special, the, the special animals like that were the ones that were part of the origin story for every character. Um, but then maybe the normal animals might just be kind of just animals there. Right? That's good. Yeah. I always wanted, um, you know, Legend of, in Legend of Korra, I really wanted kind of low-key spoilers. But um, if you watch the trailer, you'll see. But um, I wanted her to really learn airbending from Appa. Because you know how, like, the dragons can teach you fire. Badger moles can teach you, like, earth. Um, uh, air bison teaches you the airbending. <laughs> but then, like... Uh, learning water bending if you like watch like the moon and tides yeah 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 the tide pool there that was what taught Katara and Aang balance right push yeah. and pull yeah yeah that's true the animals can definitely teach like the fundamentals and the the instinctual parts of bending as well it's unfortunate that that didn't happen with Legend of Korra but I think the priorities for Korra were different yeah I mean you know our character uh Navarro's Everything had to be learned literally, like, within a year because of, you know, the whole, like, Sozin's comment and, you know, dealing with all that. Right, yeah. right. There was always a sense of urgency. That's what I liked about both series. There was a sense of urgency always surrounding Sozin's comment, right? It was a comment that originally killed Roku, I believe. Um, it was it was preparing for the, for the comet's second coming that really sped up the growth and the development of Zuko and Aang. Yeah. Particularly those two, but the others as well. And the... Uh, the Order of the Lotus, I believe, right? They organized themselves very quickly as yeah. well to, to support them. Uh, and we see that again with Legend of Korra. So it was cool to see that too, just the recurring motifs that way. Yeah. Definitely. Did you have any special connections to Avatar The Last Airbender? I do, I do. Um, so, I mean, it has a special place in my heart, for sure. The series does, because I watched it growing up, right? It was kind of my, my formative years. This, this show is always a constant there. But also, um, Avatar was one of the first places where I saw parts of Indian culture being used accurately and and being used for benefit of the main character. So when I when I came to the United States first, right, I told a lot of people that I was Indian, right, which um, you know kind of came up in introductory discussions with, with friends and kind of with my neighbors. But at the time, I was living in Texas, and their their first the first thing that comes to mind when when they heard that I was Indian was was were the scenes in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, right? Where where the Indians are the crazy ones who, you know, eat the bugs and sacrifice the people and rip people's hearts out. Um, but that's not at all representative, accurate of, of Indian culture. So I spent a long time kind of just fighting those those stereotypes, those like preset kind of connotations about Indian culture growing up in Texas and kind of in the more conservative parts of the Los Angeles area and a little bit here, but the Bay Area is much more diverse, so it's better. But what I liked about Avatar was that they used um, the chakras very often. 
So um, there was the episode where Aang gets shot in the back um, by Azula's lightning, right? And he loses his connection to the rest of the avatars, and the avatars stay. Uh, it was the monk who, who explains to Aang that, oh, you lost your connection to one of the chakras, and so your chakras kind of align. Seeing that was so cool because I learned about you know chakras as they say in Hindi, right? Um, it's it's like a it's a Hindu Ayurvedic sort of um, way of mapping the body, I suppose. And I have never ever even imagined that such a thing could be used in like a cartoon TV show for kids, right? But it was, and it was so important to Aang, right? That was how Aang. Spoiler alert again, right? When Aang is fighting the Fire Lord. Um, when that stone enters his spine, it reconnects the chakras, and then he's able to, you know, re-enter the avatar mode, right, uh, in the avatar state. And seeing just that, seeing chakras, something from Indian culture, being used for such an important aspect of a character, right, literally the other part of his character, right, his connection to the, to the past avatars, was so important to me. It was so cool to see. Um, it was a huge pride point. Like, yeah, Indian culture can be used, not, not used, but it can explain things. But it was also just cool to see things being used in mainstream, kind of non-hostile way uh, for Indians as well. So yeah, that was definitely, that was kind of my most special part of my connection to Avatar. I think that brings up kind of like the big like importance why like representation is so important. Especially like I think in the PDA like community as like we both can relate like being like Asian males like there's not positive representation other than like you're the martial artist guy or you're like the funny guy or like the sidekick right like right. it's important to like have like this representation especially like at a young age so you can see yourself right and you can see like your culture being you know presented fair and accurately most definitely that's true yeah and we definitely like we've made progress i think to a certain degree but there's still so much work to be done, right? Yeah. Deadpool 2 came out less than a year ago. Um, and, you know, there was there was an Asian there, right? Suki, I believe. But was it Suki, Yuki, something like that? Dofant? Um, in Deadpool 2, the Megasonic yes. Teenage War is, yeah, her yes. girlfriend, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was cool seeing, you know, a queer Asian, like, play an important part in the movie. Mm. But the characterization of that character was, still, you know, long, straight hair with one colored streak through right. it. Right? Very quiet, high weight, right? Higher voice. That's not at all representative of, of like a lot of the Asian community. And exactly as you said, right? Dupinder, Indian male, um, but cab driver, right. which there are a lot of cab drivers in the US. And um, kind of thinking about how Indians came, uh, with their occupations when they first kind of came to the US, cab drivers and kind of running convenience stores was a part of it, right? So it's, that's there, but that's not this. That's a, that's still such a stereotype, you know. Right. There's so much more that that our communities have become. There's so much more. There's so many different ways that we've contributed now, um, and I think that that still needs to be represented. Yeah. Better. But Avatar was good because we saw such a range of of kind of people in in different occupations, right? I mean, Sokka's a brown dude. Yeah. Right. But he still he still plays such an important character, right? And Katara was brown as well. Yeah. Right. There's there's no, um, I can't think of the word right now, but it doesn't really matter about like what their ethnicity was, right? It was just the fact that there was like a brown protagonist. That was so cool to see as well. I, yeah. You know, I was able to relate to that, even though I didn't know, you know, if there was like a brown Chinese person, like a brown Japanese person, right? That didn't even matter. Just the fact that I saw like, you know, brown protagonist was so cool. You know, someone whose skin color matched my own. 
Exactly, just like skin pigmentation and just me being like a you know dark skin like Southeast Asian. We don't really get to see at all dark skin like Asians in the media in general. Is usually really fair skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so seeing that was was good. Um, it's always kind of like my little bit of hope every once in a while. You know, whenever I get really kind of sad or um, I suppose disappointed in the amount of representation that we have, kind of mainstream media. Not necessarily Hollywood only, but just mainstream media, right? I always kind of go back to Avatar. I'm like, yeah, wait, we, someone did a good job yeah. down the line, you know? And then kids' cartoon, or I feel like a cartoon for, like, all ages, just because, like, anyone can, like, watch this. Absolutely. Uh-huh. It's definitely for all ages, too. Uh-huh. That's, what, that's what I like about Avatar, is you can kind of keep coming back to it. And there, there are still lessons that you can glean, right? As a kid, you learn about certain parts of development, right? As I said earlier, right, a lot of the Avatar episodes were about coming of age, right? But there was so much wisdom there, too. Uncle Iroh is, in my opinion, kind of the embodiment of wisdom. In my mind, whenever I think of a wise person, kind of like someone who looks like Uncle Iroh, like just a really jolly person who drinks a lot of tea, right? Um, that's, that's just what comes to mind, right? And Uncle Iroh had so much wisdom, not just for Zuko and Aang, but for everyone who he came across. Even the generals, that you know, super angry Fire Lord generals who were just going to kill everyone. He still had kind of a peaceful message to them, too. So and you kind of, like, show then body attachment of, like, where, like, you know, some old people or people that are older, you know, usually say, like, you need to do this. And no, he's willing to let everyone, like, go on their own journeys. And if they needed help or guidance, he was, you know, more than welcome to. But he wasn't like, you're doing this. You need to change this. No. Right, right. Yeah. What I liked so much is that is that Iroh was always the one to kind of guide people to look down the right path. Maybe not go down it. Um, but Iroh would always kind of point, kind of turn their heads in the right direction. But he would always still encourage people to do whatever it was, be it fail. Zuko failed multiple times across uh, a number of situations, right? But so did Sokka, so did Aang, right? They failed when when they didn't understand Iroh's wisdom or they didn't know what to do. But that might have been exactly what Iroh, what Iroh had intended for them to do, because by failure we learn, right? Yeah. Um, especially in the high school that I grew up in, right? There was this huge... Um, Fear, fear for sure, but also an emphasis that one should not fail, right? That failure means your potential is diminished in a way. So I remember growing up, like I, I literally never wanted to fail at anything. You know, when I first picked up an instrument, right? I didn't want to fail. But when I when I went back and watched Avatar, I watched a couple of episodes over the summer, just kind of for fun. And I remember I was saying like, it's, he basically said a few times like, it's okay if you don't do as well as you wanted to, or it's okay if you lost entirely. Now you know, right? Now you know better. And that was huge. That was such a powerful scene. Um, yeah, it was such a powerful scene. And then I'm just... Also, I know you haven't, like, watched, like, Korra, but, like, also, let's just say that, like, he also <laughs> gives these messages to, like, another, like, avatar later down the line. That's very good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to see that. And I'm glad that, that Iroh's character was was carried on through Korra, too. Yeah. That was a, that's a powerful, a powerful character. He's such an, like, integral part of the show. Most definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you could bend, actually, yeah, Mike, you're wearing an you're wearing an Airbender hoodie right now. But I really want to know: Would you really be an Airbender if that was if that was the um, that was the bending power that you could have? Oh no, mine would be a water bender, like hands down. I love water bending. Um, it reminds me of this quote I learned from Bruce Lee, and I'm probably gonna like misuse it. Bruce Lee essentially would be like water, you know, 
water takes on the form whatever it's in. So if water's in a glass, it becomes the mm -hmm. glass. If it's in a bowl, it becomes the bowl. You know, water, like, in a river can be, you know, very calm or it can be rush, you know. Mm -hmm. Water can be, can flow with all things. And it kind of goes with my personality where, you know, I'm, I'm more of the cool, calm, kind of, like, flowing, connected type. Um, I love, like, bloodbending. Like, I love that <laughs> sub-skill. I don't think I would be, like, like, Unalak level, um where I can do it at any time. But, you know, during a full moon, that'd be kind of cool. If I needed to use it, like, let's just say, I want to just do it for the fun of it. But, you know, just, it was just, waterbending was just so, like, cool how it was portrayed. I mean, you can use it for healing, right? You can turn into ice, right? You can pull, like, water out of weeds or, like, control, like, items or, like, I guess, like, flowers and, like, vines with water. Kind of like in the Avatar episode with, like, the swamp people and how, like, uh, the swamp people were, you know, mm -hmm. controlling the vines and stuff um, with water bending, you know, to like, you know, simulate like a swamp creature. But I would say definitely like water bending, like hands down, is like my. For sure, um, yeah, no, it's it's so versatile, right? And as you said, you know, you, it's about adaptability in any situation, but still being balanced and still remembering that at its core, water is just water. Yeah. Right? That's really cool. And that's very powerful in itself. I like that. And I, I love the Swamp People episode. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. That's all uh, questions I had for you. Did you have any more that you wanted to add? Um, no, I think, I, think I'm, I think I'm good, yeah. Thank you for this conversation. It was very grateful and lovely. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. Hi everyone, um, my name's Michael. Um, you all know why I'm doing the podcast. I'm here with... I'm Angelia, everybody. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. And Avatar, The Last Airbender was my favorite show growing up, so I'm excited to be on this podcast. So what were some of your favorite episodes or like moments and why? Favorite episodes? Two of them I remember for sure. There's the one with uh, the guru teaching him about the chakras and everything back then i don't know what the hell a chakra was but that episode just for some reason just resonated deeply with me on a different level and it's funny because like nowadays i'm all into the chakras and all into the spiritual stuff looking into everything like that and i would say the other episode is the one on the lion turtle Ooh. where he learned about the energy bending that was one of my favorite episodes um not only were, like, Anglin's energy bending, but, like, he gets to connect with his past lives. Like, part of me, which is, like, what I love about, like, the Avatar state, or if I was able to be the Avatar, was to, like, connect with my past lives. Like, I loved it when he, like, um, you know, contacted Roku, then Avatar Kurt, then Avatar Kyoshi, right? And then Avatar Yang Chin to talk about messed up that order um of the avatar cycle sorry <laughs> but um i loved it where like you know he was learning where he's like hey like i don't want to kill somebody like i you know i'm gonna con i'm gonna connect my past lives and see if there's an alternate route to you know not killing fire lord ozai he stayed true to himself and for that round of applause for him right here yeah stay true to yourself i think that's what like a big thing about this show, though, is, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, life lessons to be learned from, like, Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, most definitely. Especially from that, um, the Lion Turtle episode, when he told him, you cannot bend others' energy unless yours is unbendable. Like, 
that's like low key telling him like you gotta be solid with yourself before you can go try to be around other people. Otherwise, you're always gonna be following a trend. Or that's kind of what I interpreted as like to today's modern world. Yeah. In a way, so it's been some real stuff. That, of course, there's many other lessons throughout the Avatar. That's okay. What I like love about like after our last Iron Legend Core, right? Like especially in today's age that we're experienced where like you know late 80s like 90s basically we always had like cartoons given out like there's always like a message or a lesson to always be learned and now in society we're not really getting those like life lessons like for kids to you know start learning right it's just i don't know i feel like we're missing out like a generation's missing out of like uh skills to be learned you know from like media yeah i agree there is still some lessons in the cartoons nowadays, but there is a lot of it that has lost its meaning. It's become meaningless now. Yeah. What bending would you like to have and why? Well, if I could pick all of it, I would pick all of it. But <laughs> <laughs> so you'd be the avatar as your answer? I'd be the avatar, you know, because energy bending is pretty cool, too. But, you know, I wouldn't... Little <laughs> Judge jury executioner, just like, you get bending, you don't get bending. You get bending. See, that's where, you know, you need to work on your chakras so you don't, <laughs> you know, overstep your power too, too much, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but if I had to pick one, it would be water bending. Mm. I feel like water, I resonate a lot with water. I always want to be around oceans. I always want to be at the river. I always want to be somewhere where there's water. I love the rain. And besides water, I'm not... Like, for water, it's not attack, attack, attack. It's defend and attack if I have to. But then there's also the healing aspect of it. Yeah. You can use it to heal. And it just kind of like goes with the flow, which is kind of like my life motto. Stay with the flow. Exactly. I'm someone who's very anxious all the time. You sure you're not a Libra? I'm sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, also, I'm a Pisces. You know, the two fish in the water. Oh, snap! You know what I mean? The water moon spirit. North Pole episode. I think it was meant to be. I think it was meant to be. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, Princess Yue. <laughs> yes, that was a very sad moment, especially for Sokka. Oh yeah. Especially for Sokka. He lost a lot of like hardships to the show. He did. Yeah. I mean his mom and then Princess. I mean no one. I mean Aang did too. I mean he the whole yeah. genocide of people. I'm not saying like Sokka's the only one, but oh, yeah. I know what you mean. But if anyone had the worst, you know, first relationship, it has to be soccer. Like, no one can top that. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so which one in a practical sense would you have? So if in today's world, right, what element would you have? Because, I mean, like, if you're an airbender, essentially you could just glide, you know, to school and dodge traffic and stuff. So, I mean. Ooh, that's true. You know what? I think I would still have to pick waterbending. Mm. For the fact that, one, our water is polluted nowadays. So oh, that's water bending, you could separate that's the chemicals true. from the water. So that could be used in a way to make cleaner water for us in the cities here. Because, you know, us city folk got shitty water. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's really good. Oh, man. Which would I pick? I mean, earth. I mean, buildings... Every building has some kind of metal or concrete structure, so there's always earth around us. Um, I mean, I think, I feel like if I were to be, like, the least useful, I mean, yeah, I can eat my, like, coffee, tea, and, like, cook food, like, instantly. 
but I mean. You can make glassware <laughs> <laughs> and jewelry. But I feel like if I had my iPhone or like, you know, if I did lightning bedding to it, like a small dose, not like, you know, to break that. But yeah, I guess that'd be like some useful. I mean, I'm a, I'm, you know, my element's definitely water, like a waterbender. Um, favorite sub skill is uh, blood bending. Man, it's hard. I mean, Earth. I mean, that's all around us. I mean, I hate traffic because I'm a commuter student. A uh, commuter student, yeah. So, I mean, just... There's so much... You know, man, if I had, like, my own, like, sky bison. Super tempting. Or just, like, be able to glide to school. Where would you park your... Your, uh... Your bison, though. Your flying bison. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if, you know, San Jose State has, you know, a space for the bisons. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's a great idea. Great idea, in theory. Just... <laughs> Actual practication, not so well. Imagine that, though. Having, like, a little parking for your bison. There's, like, food and water left for them. Oh, like, that'd like be an area of the campus. Just, like, a giant, like, trough where they can just, like, you know, just where, like, they can eat, like, sleep and, like, play around. I'd support that. Yeah. I'd support that. Hashtag SJSU. Get on having Sky Bisons if it was real. So what are your, like, top three uh, favorite characters in no particular order in the series, and why? Of course I gotta pick Katara, you know? Feminist over here. Yeah! And loving waterbending. I have to go with Katara, you know? She's that strong female character. To one of the many in the series, but, you know, she's like one of the main main characters, basically. I gotta show love to Momo. Yes, Momo! Because, one, I do love monkeys. And he's kind of like a... Like, he's like a lemur, but kind of like a monkey. Monkey? I don't know, like, they say he's a lemur in the series. Yeah, no, he's a winged lemur, so he's like a lemur slash bats. That's what I love about, like, you know, the Avatar and, like, Legend of Korra is, like, you have these hybrid animals, right? Mm -hmm. So you have, like, a cat alligator, right? You have, like, a manatee bison, right? Yeah, you had all kinds of stuff, which I love seeing. Oh, yeah. Different hybrids. One of my favorite animals and also um, favorite moments when Sokka got stuck in that hole and then there was the saber tooth, uh... There was the Sabertooth moose, uh, Sabertooth moose uh, name, uh, Foo Foo Cuddly Poots. And I love that little thing. But then its mom, you know, was all like protective. You had Mama Foo Foo Cuddly Poots. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really want to, <laughs> want to come back through the series. Oh, sorry, I was like interrupting you of like, no, no, no. what did you. We so, we got, so we got Momo, so we have Katara, who would be three. Sokka. Ooh. I would have to say Sokka. Because he's always the one to lighten the mood. And also, he proved his usefulness, even though he wasn't a bender. He stayed true to himself. He found what his strengths were. And, even though people thought his jokes were lame, he still kept going with it. Oh, yeah. He's definitely, like, the joke guy or the guy who brings, like, who alleviates tension in the group, right? Like, just because, like, you're a non-bender doesn't mean you're not important, right? Just because you're not part of, like, this certain, like, group or identity doesn't mean that, like, you're not value yourself. Uh, one of my favorite episodes is definitely when he go when the meteorite comes down and he learns the way of the sword, right? Like, he, you know, takes the, um, takes the initiative to, like, build the sword, learn the way of the sword, right? In the end of the episode, right, he, you know, he comes true to the master saying that, like, hey, like, I'm not worthy because, like, I lie to you. And, like, he was still, like, he could have, like, lied and then, like, walked away. But no, like, he's just, like, an honest character. And then it turns out, you know, of course, the way the sword belongs to no one nation. It's for everyone. Yeah, 
Yeah. He truly represents that, even though he's part of the water tribe, he doesn't stick to that clique of waterbenders. He's, you know, he sticks to, I mean, you know, he was a sword. Yeah. The swordsman, but they can go to any, I feel like, well, how do I want to word this? Like, they, you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, they kind of mesh with all the, the tribes in a way. Yeah. Because they're not specifically this one. Right, like, Sokka's not, like, a healer. He's not, like, the waterbender who can, like, go make houses, right? Like, like, Sokka is, like, the funny guy, right? Like, he's the one who's able to be the comedian. I miss Space Sword. You know, like, I know he had to lose it, like, because of, to say, like, Suki and, like, Toph and himself. R.P. Space Sword. Hoping that Toph, maybe one day, can use seismic senses and find that sword. At this current moment, you know... Whether in comics, Nigel Cora, we don't know what happened to Space Sword. I think you need a right to the authors to create that somewhere in the series just to be like, fine, Space Sword. So, please. like, so you remember when, like, Appa had the Lost Tales of, like, Appa? The yeah. Lost Tales of Space, Space Sword. Sword. <laughs> it's just, like, somewhere on a rock, but, like, crazy things have happened in front of it or around it. Some seagulls are, like, picking it up and fighting over it and then it gets dropped somewhere else. And then then there's, like, a dual bender, like, two benders fighting it out and it's all intense and, like, it's just there in Space Award just, like, kind of, like, reflecting, I don't know, maybe, like, the shine from, like, the light from the fire or, like, the shine from the water at night reflecting off the moon or something. And then one day it finds its way back to Sokka and then he's like, Space Sword? Space or <laughs> and then it's like that moment of like reuniting, just that slow motion running with the music in the background, <laughs> like an emotional moment. <laughs> and also like the, um, when Sokka and Momo were like drunk on cactus juice, that was yeah. hilarious. And then they had to su- wait. No, was that the one where they had to suck on the frogs? No, 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 no. no, no, no. That was that was in the desert. Okay, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> with like the lost live era, yeah. I think it was like he was like Momo a opera or something like crazy like that. I think it was something like that. But yeah. Man, that's some some good cactus juice right there. <laughs> um, do you have any special connections to Avatar: The Last Airbender and why? Absolutely, absolutely. A lot of my life philosophies are honestly based off of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Like the whole idea of energy bending and using it to heal, and then the herbs, and then just staying connected through your chakras, staying connected. Even um, General Iroh, I'm, I didn't mention him before, but honestly, if I had to pick four, oh, yeah. General Iroh would be like the fourth one. How do you not like General Iroh? Like, I think one of my favorite episodes with him was just that, like, him, like, you know, when he was remembering his son, right? Like, you know, Iroh was the first war son, so it's technically he would have got the Fire Nation. And, like, what did that would have been like if he got the Fire Nation instead of, like, Ozai? Yeah. And also, like, looking at him, on, well, first of all, he would have been a great leader. I already know it. Yeah. But for him, that the fact that he has that history of, like, fighting for the Fire Nation, but he saw the corruption, he saw what they were doing, and he just kind of took his own path. He's looked at as, like, the screw-up, the mess-up of the Fire Nation, but really, he just followed what his heart said. Yeah, I liked that he he challenged his own culture. Like, he was like, hey, maybe, like, firebending, this is not what it's about. Like, let me look into it. Like, oh, firebending is really this? Oh, hey, the Sun Warriors? Yeah. Can I learn from you? 
And then, you know, he la- he learned from Ren and Shaw. That's another one of the third episode. Yeah. Is when, like, uh, Avatar, or when uh, Aang and uh, um, Zuko go after to look for the Sun Warriors because, like, Zuko can't teach Aang firebending because, like, Zuko's lost his, like, passion or his way for firebending. So, you know, instead of, like, anger, like, you know, fire is life. Sorry. Sidetracking back to <laughs> Uncle Iroh, right? So this is how how he gets his title of, like, you know, Dragon of the West, because, you know, essentially, like, he faked killing, the, you know, the last, like, masters, the last dragon. But, you know, in actuality, he didn't, he lied, so he can protect this lost, like, culture, slash, like, civilization. I want him as my uncle, honestly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to have him. He's, like, that typical uncle that's just that wise, but, like, goofy, funny uncle, like, yeah. I, I wish he was my uncle. And he was so great. He was just one of those, like, like, elderly people who just has a lot of patience right like Zuko fucked up so many times but never once he was like you're a failure da 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 like he allowed like Zuko to keep like messing up and you know accepted him like for who he was and like taught him like hey like it's okay like you know you can change like you don't have to like be this I think everybody needs an Uncle Iroh in their life. Oh, yeah. Just someone to, to love you unconditionally, no matter what you do, which is why I, I brought him up in the first place. You know, the lessons that he, he teaches, you know? Especially, like, that, and also he runs his own tea shop. He probably means makes a mean, like, pot of tea. He probably does. I, I, I still can't forget the episode where he had crappy tea. I was like, I need to go talk to this person. I know. I like how he was like, hey, this is how this is how you ain't real tea. Like, he's patient. Yeah. But you fuck up the tea. Yeah. Oh, he's something else. Yeah. I like how there's always like, nah, there's always time for tea. Yeah. Yeah. There, you could be in the middle of like being attacked and you're like, hold on, I need to finish my cup of tea. Oh, yeah. I like that when he was at Captured, you know, it, he kind of like played himself as a like a, you know, kind of like a fat slob in front of the, you know, guard, but in actuality, he was, like, training and working hard. So when, you know, him and the Order of the White Lotus, like, came and, you know, supported, like, Avatar and friends during, like, you know, um... Oh, snaps, name of the comet. Sozin's comet. Why I forget that? Sorry. But when, you know, you know, when they went to, you know, uh... Or when the Fire Nation went to, you know, try to commit another, like, mass genocide or, like, take over the world. But, you know, him and the White Otis, like, Loder was there to, you know, back up the Avatar and stop the Fire Nation. Oh, yes. And the whole order of the White Lotus, I love that they incorporated that. I believe there's, like, secret societies in our world that, you know, so I mean, some of them are maybe abusing their power. You know how people say Illuminati, that, all that. But um, I feel like there are some that's out there for good, just like the White Lotus. One of my, um, I'm gonna bring this, like, to, like, a conspiracy or memory theory, but, like, one of my favorite, like, animals was Bosco the bear. Like, he was just a bear. And, you know, honestly, I think he was the one who was, like, running the Dai Li in secret. That's a conspiracy. <laughs> but, um, I think that's one of, you mentioned a little bit earlier, though, that, like, in Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra, right, there's a lot of strong, like, women and women of color representation. Like, why do you think that's important, especially now in today's society? It's very important for little girls to know young on that they can do anything they want, whether it's fighting, whether they want to be, follow this standard of beauty or not, you know, and that they're still a girl, they're still female, they're still feminist, you don't have to fit a certain mold you can 
go any which way you want and that you are strong and no matter what you do whether you're a healer or a fighter or whatever the innkeeper i mean she was a little creepy but you know she was a strong female character herself oh yeah I think that's why, like, one of a lot of people's favorite characters is Toph, right? You know, someone, someone who's, like, not, like, able-bodying, be able to make it, you know, Toph was, like, true to her, like, herself, right? You know, she, you know, she did try to do, like, a little bit of, um, you know, wear makeup to, like, press Aka, but one day she knew, like, that's not me, you know, like, no, like, I'm the master of, like, you know, I'm the creator of metal bending, right? Able to, you know, that's what I admire about, like, her being, like, seismic sense and then look into metal and being able to be like you know earth's all around us right like i can bend anything she was like i don't have time to worry about all this extra stuff plus i'm blind I'm like <laughs> <laughs> i can't even see what i look like <laughs> it's also um also what i like about too is like azula i mean you know she went batshit crazy at the towards end um but, you know, like, her and her, like, you know, her being a child prodigy and her being, like, so, like, uh, smart and, like, cunning and then, like, being able to, like, lead the team with, like, you know, May and then, like, Tylee. Yeah. They were definitely a strong, like, I was going to say duo, but, no, the well, triplets, basically. Like, yeah. They were very strong and I love how they had, you know, you had Azula, who's a very, like, fierce attack attack, and then you had... Tylee, who's just all bubbly, but she can, she hits those points, man. You paralyze for a while. She blocking so cool. And then you had May, who was just, May's just May. Oh, yeah. But, like, she is strong in herself. Yeah, she's definitely not one of, you know, you know, she appears to be, like, you know, kind of, like, the quiet, like, type, like, you know, Asian woman, but, like, no, like, May, like, you up, like, May would, like, throw knives and stuff. It was like, I'm quiet. But don't fuck with me, right. type of thing. Like, and it also kind of reminds me too, like back um, when everyone kind of had their own, you know, adventure with uh, Zuko. I think except for like Momo and Opera, the only two that didn't get you know adventure with Zuko. But that's yeah. anyways. Uh, <laughs> when the episode where like Zuko and Katara go to like you know find out like you know what happened to Katara's mom and like who killed Katara's mom, and then that moment where she does find like the person who like killed her mom like in that moment of like looking down the barrel and just be like and like whether to take revenge or not and ultimately spoiler i mean this whole thing spoilers uh go watch the series um you know she decides not to and that's very admirable because i mean i don't know how many people especially a loved one that was so important to like her her brother her dad right like so many of us would would be so quick to like take revenge and Katara was a really big person and to really like look the other way and you know at that point she was a waterbending master she can bloodbend she could have really messed up the dude but she chose not to yeah I, you gotta admire her for that strength to not do what it was almost like her instincts like that hate that she had inside was like to kill but when she actually got down to it and reevaluated what she was doing she realized that that just it wasn't her as much as she hated him if she killed him it be just like you know this this the cycle of violence and killing just doesn't stop you know yeah and she she like reflected on that in that moment like i have no reason to kill him now kind of thing yeah he's an old man who's just doing old man thing you know <laughs> <laughs> he was going and getting some food at the market on his way home and 
That's what I um just like you know it's one of those things that like you brought up earlier like guitar being true to herself and then also like the show you know showing us like life lessons like that like to be learned right like you brought up that um one of the great things that shows is about how like water bending and healing right and how like natural medicine and how like we are so kind of like conditionalized to just you know the only medical you know you can do can be like how do I say this like industrialized or a company or like type medicine but like you know we never like do natural med or we never support or like talk about like natural like earthly like medicine or remedies yeah and um this is a little off topic but in this country the healthcare is more focused on you know getting unnatural remedies because it makes money right and capitalism. our, our yeah. capitalism exactly yeah. sorry keep going <laughs> but our, our system is great for trauma our system is great for you know you, you got in a car accident or stuff like that but as far as long-term health care i feel like natural remedies and what you're eating is the way to go which is you know what they talk about in avatar the healing there's types of healings that we don't know about that you know using the water to heal something with the energy and the water and it heals people and I, I truly believe stuff like that exists I know you we talked about a little bit earlier but you talking about how like healing and how you know water is your like your element sign is minus two and it's like we're both like go with the flow type people like water is like a simulation of like ac acupuncture right controlling the different energies also kind of going back to energy bending yeah it has a lot of energy bending and water bending I feel like they're kind of similar in the healing senses. You know, nowadays you got Reiki, you got acupuncture. Um, I've seen how energy work itself uh, has helped me and my family. Even the non-believers who are like, that's some crazy mumbo-jumbo shit. <laughs> my dad is now a firm believer in the energy work, you know? But also bringing up remedies, like, you know, Zuko's mom, right? Like, another, like, strong character... I mean, making sacrifices, right, for, like, her family. Yeah, she created that herbal remedy to kill, what was, it, what was his name, Ozai's father, what was his name? Um, I, I forgot that, or the, um, Iroh and, um, Sozin's dad, but yeah, so it's after, so, um, Ozai and Iroh, right, and then Sozin was her grandpa. Yeah, so Sozin was the grandpa. Their dad's just the forgotten guy. Yeah, and then they're, yeah, exactly. He's like, he didn't do anything. But yeah, he got killed anyway. Yeah. Just... Oscar. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with Oscar for now. <laughs> but yeah, and then her, and then like, go read the second, like, comic book, because like, you know, the whole, like, Zuko's mom cliffhanger for a lot of us was like, what the? Like, you ended with that, like, you know, we always want to know what happened to his mom, but like, yeah, that, like, go read that story. It's a really good story. Yeah, all the comics afterwards are really great. I think one just released this year, right? Was yeah. it this year that won the latest one for, was it North and South Pole? Yes. For, for the continuation, right? Correct. So so the Avatar, uh, Last Airbender, and Legend of Korra is continuing in comics. So they're both continuing in comics form. But, yeah, back to um, the strong women. We can't forget to talk about the Kyoshi Warriors. Oh, yay! Kyoshi Warriors. I can't wait for Avatar Yang Chen's book that's going to come out and, like, showing how, like, she, you know, founded the Kyoshi Warriors. I'm, like, really, like, curious on, like, how, like, that is. I didn't know about that until you told me about it, so I'm excited for that, honestly. Uh -huh. But, 
but I just love the idea of the episode. You know, when Sokka comes in, I was like, oh, you guys are doing girl stuff. You're doing girly stuff, and they kicked his ass. Yeah, they're like, we don't need no man. Like that. We don't need no man to make me happy. Yeah. Dang. But I love the I love the idea behind the Kyoshi Warriors and that women can be just as strong as men. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Like I liked how it was like the Kyoshi Warriors showing that like yeah we don't like need any like men leadership that like we can like take care of our community just as like strong as men. Yeah. yeah. You know, it makes me think. What about the men in their society? You know, no. do they have like a male counterpart? Um, like army or military in a way? If I remember correctly from like that episode and just like, you know, just from the comics and stuff, no, I think it was the Kyoshi Warriors basically protecting like that island and like the other areas. And then, you know, later on to like preserve like Earth King or Bossing Say like culture, um, you know, after Kyoshi created like the Dai Li, uh, you know, the, her like, you know, the secret uh, Terry like military like police which in later in life she regretted doing. Does it state that in the comics or the... Yeah, so if you look on, like, Avatar, like, in the comics, and then also, like, Avatar Extra, so it's, like, episodes, and then they'll put up, like, little, like, trivia facts, and then it's one of the things that, like, it shed for her that she regretted that because then it got abused. Because, like, remember, just because, like, you die as an Avatar, I mean, you're technically, you're still around spiritually, and then, like, you can see through your predecessor, or, like, your future, sorry, not your predecessor, because that's past person, but your success. <laughs> With your successors, she saw how corrupt it's been, and then she's like, you know, I created that, right? Yeah. There's a oh, sorry, keep going. Go ahead. I just noticed in Avatar, there's a lot of like, kind of, you know, kind of shows how we have life regret or how like we mess up. Like, probably the thing like I hate about like Roku is that like, he messed up really bad. Like, you know, he. I mean, I'm glad, like, he trusted his friend Sozin, but then he kind of ignored the facts that, like, hey, man, like, his friend Sozin was going off the deep end, like, wanting to conquer, you know, kind of colonize, like, these other, like, nations. And, you know, basically, because of him, like, messing up, like, you know, Aang had to fix all of this, right? Like, he lost his people, and then he had to, you know, uh, fix Roku's mistake. I feel like it's something that a lot of people can relate with, though. I mean, I don't think anyone's best friend is taking over the world or anything, but, yeah. you know, like, yeah. your best friend is doing something that's harmful to many others. How do you go about it when you love that person so much? Right. Everyone's telling you to, you got to put an end to that person. Or... Yeah, because he stopped him, like, once, and then he was just like, hey, like, don't do this again. But, like, you know, it kind of shows, like, the humanity, right? Like, just because of, like all this great power right like i can still like forgive people and then like forgiveness is key but also like stepping in when you know that you're going to do something bad yeah yeah it's a little tricky when you know friendship and all that power gets involved yeah it's always tricky it's always tricky no matter what situation you're in (laughs) that's why i say don't mix business with family or friendship that is true in a perfect world though it would coexist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In a perfect world. So, like, do you think, like, right, like, um, why do you think we need, like, more representation, like, like, series like Avatar, like Legend of Korra? I feel like we definitely need it because it not only teaches a lot of valuable life lessons, but it helps empower 
women. Right. I know watching that as a girl, I was like ready to kick butt, you know? I was like, put me in karate or something, you know? I want to learn yeah. all this stuff. I want to be a ninja or something. <laughs> ninja assassin. But I, it empowers young girls to believe that they can do anything that they want to. It helps represent the Asian and Pacific Islander population, you know? Which we, we, as we're both, like, you know, share those, like, identities, right? Like, there isn't any, like, you know, major, like, mainstream representation. And if it is, it's not accurate. From what I've seen, at least in the media, a lot of representation is just, you know, like, you have the geishas from Japan who are just basically almost like a servant in a way. Right. And, I mean, in the representation of Asian cultures, that women are just kind of... Subservient. Subservient. Yeah. To the man. And to have a series like this where you see the woman like, I don't need no man to tell me anything. Exactly. I can can do what I need to do. I can handle myself. It's very empowering. Especially, that's just like portents why like cartoons and like, you know, even like comic books and other, you know, things that people believe to be like just kids things are actually very like impactful and powerful, right? They send these messages down. Like it starts early, like... Yeah, just a kid's cartoon show, you know, people think that, but it's way more than that. If you look for the lessons, you can find lessons in anything, honestly. Oh, yeah. You just have to keep an open eye. Or, you know, the chakras, you got your third eye, you know? Oh, yeah! <laughs> you got third eye open. <laughs> <laughs> sparky, sparky, boom. <laughs> oh, that guy. No, he was using his third eye for something. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That weird way, uh, like what they call him, combustion man, but like Zuko, no, he's like, he has a real name, and then like everyone's like, oh no, we're just gonna call him that. Like, combustion man. Sparky, Sparky, Sparky Boo, man. <laughs> you gotta love Sokka's names. Oh, yeah. For everything. I love his like nicknames for all like the. <laughs> I forgot what he said to Fire Lord Ozai when Aang took his like fire bending away. Forgot that one too. It was a little like super lame. It was like the failed king or something. Yeah, and then he's just like, heh, heh, heh. and everyone's just like, no. Even, no. <laughs> like, this is hell for me. But you can't help but laugh in those moments, you know? Yeah. It's still like, there's so much enjoyment out of like any, like, yeah. Even like when, um, that episode where, um, Asaka and Katara are sick, and then Aang has to bring in, like, the frozen frogs so they can suck on to get, like, the remedy from. Yeah. Even that, even though it's, like, kind of disgusting that, like, they're sucking on frogs, even though it's, like, still funny at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, wait, what? They just put it on, and then you just hear, like, rrr, rrr, rrr. <laughs> Like, they add in a little humor. I feel like humor is twisted nowadays. A lot of our humor is about human suffering right and you know all kinds of things that people's humor back in the days was not the humor that they keep in the show is more i guess it would be looked at as lame nowadays but it's i don't know how to explain it do you you kind of know what i'm talking about yeah so it's not really like vulgar kind of like violent where like we're laughing at others right it's kind of like the more kind of like sincere kind of like i don't know like joking funny but not in like a mean hurtful type of way yeah and that's that's what i love about the humor there (laughs) is there anything that you wanted to like talk about or like mention oh man as a wrap up here just want to thank you for inviting me to be on this podcast thank you for thank you for like sitting down with me and taking time to talk about this
Yeah, and just keep watching Avatar, everybody. Oh, yeah. Legend of Korra, too. Hopefully, with the live-action Netflix, like, TV series, hopefully. I mean, we don't talk about the movie that never existed. Just, if you haven't watched the movie already, please don't watch it. (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) Hopefully, we actually get some, like, you know, the the original creators are going to be, like, back on board. So, hopefully, we're getting, like, accurate, like, on-screen representation. Right? I'm a little skeptical. Like, I mean, personally, like, I would have wished if they did not do it like i'm just fine with it being animated in comic book form i'm completely happy with that too if they want to keep going with you know the the cartoon the animated version i'd be more than happy with that yeah and with that note thank you all for listening to this avatar edition episode of mosaic station big shout out to arjun and angelia for being on the podcast to end with a quote from uncle iroh life happens wherever you are whether you make it or not.